Welcome to Nutrition Without Compromise, a podcast brought to you by Orlo Nutrition. We believe that nutrition shouldn't be an either-or, that you should never have to sacrifice your morals for your health or that of our home planet. Join natural products veteran Karina Belizzi and experts from around the globe as they discuss healthy solutions that are better for you and better for the planet. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Nutrition and Health Without Compromise. Today, we're going to get deep into the basics of nutrition as we feature our guest, Kirsten Carey. She is the president and CEO of Nourish, a proven system to stop the progression and heal from the damage of autoimmune-related issues. After freeing herself from celiac disease and also Hashimoto's, Kirsten has become a leading expert in helping others stop their symptoms, reverse the progression of disease, and ultimately heal from their autoimmune issues. She is a certified holistic nutritionist and a professional chef. Her work centers around three crucial components, which we'll cover today, nutrition, science, and soul. Kirsten, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. So I'd like to start this episode off with a simple question. What does nutrition without compromise mean to you? It means that you're getting the nutrition that works for you without having to sacrifice who you really are or to just sacrifice based on what's available. You figure out what works best for you. But when you're not compromising, you are authentic to who you are and you're getting exactly what you personally need. Well, I'm glad you picked up on that. I think that's part of the ethos of the show itself. I do think that simple phrase, nutrition without compromise, can mean many different things to many different people. And in this case, I think all apply. Now, before we get into today's discussion about how you were successful in ridding yourself of disease, I think it's going to be necessary for us to clearly state that this is not medical advice. We are not doctors. We are not seeking to treat, diagnose, or cure anyone who's listening to this today. We do hope this is helpful. And so the topics that we discuss, if they feel like they are personal to you, like they resonate with what you're going through, you should take this knowledge and meet with your health professional. Now you could be working with somebody on an integrative side of things, a naturopath, and even someone like Kirsten Carey's Nourish123.com, right? Exactly. It's education. (laughs) It's education purposes. That's right. Okay. So let's get into this. How did you specifically work to rid yourself of celiac and autoimmune? I mean, these two things are pretty big. I mean, Hashimoto's, I personally have. I was diagnosed back in 2009, and I have not been successful in getting away from complete medication at this point. Right. And that's the important part. And we're just over-medicated as a society. So it doesn't mean that the medication is bad. It just means that I think it's prescribed way too quickly before we look at what the body's doing and what the body can do on its own. I mean, we're amazing creatures. We have the ability to heal. And when you work with the system rather than against the system, you actually can help the body do exactly what it was designed to do, which was heal and find balance. So for me personally, I mean, I didn't dress up as a nutritionist for Halloween when I was a kid. This was not what I wanted to be when I grew up. I got forced into it. So I was in sales and marketing. I had a successful consulting company and I was traveling all over the place to speak to large audiences and work with companies on their sales and marketing systems. And I just kept getting more sick and I didn't realize it because my doctors were saying, well, that's 
normal or that's just your hormone. They were kind of just, we'll take this medication or do this thing and it'll be fine. And I wasn't getting better. And I knew I was too young to feel that bad, like that old, right? I was getting up in the morning. I was in pain. I was too foggy brained all the time. I was gaining weight and I'm a former athlete. So I just put a little bit more workout into it thinking I can lose the weight and it was getting worse. And I was eating healthy as far as I knew. I was eating whole wheat pastas and I was eating low fat cheese and all the things that were supposedly healthy. So I was gaining weight, couldn't get it to stop. Migraines that were bringing me to my knees, skin that was just breaking out in ways that was just mortifying. And when you're speaking in front of large audiences, that's not good. And I just couldn't get my thoughts together, which also isn't real great when you're in front of a large audience. So I finally left after doing, I think, every invasive (laughs) scope and test and all the things, taking the medications, doing, I was compliant. I finally got into natural medicine support. And one of the doctors I saw, she said, hey, you have celiac disease. And I'm like, great, we found an answer. So everything's just going to get better. So I stopped eating gluten like I was told to. And I didn't really see the results the way that I had expected to. So after taking hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month in supplements and doing all the stuff they were telling me to do, I still couldn't get the answer. So I went back to school for nutrition. And then I started finding other additional educational components that I added into it. I opened up a series of gluten-free restaurants. They were actually the first gluten-free restaurants in Arizona because that's how deep I get into things. I decided, oh, I'll open a series of restaurants to help the other people who couldn't find places to eat and feel normal. So I learned a whole lot more at that point being a chef, running a commercial restaurant, and learning how to put meals together for people. One of the things that we did was food sensitivity testing. And we started making meal plans specific to the people I was working with to help them get better as well. And then my chefs would make that food and people would come pick up the personally designed food for their food issues, sensitivities, issues. And I started helping people heal that way. So that's kind of the beginning part of the story. But I learned more about myself during that journey, I think, than I ever would have. And I also started learning about my own blocks emotionally as well as physically. Because to me, it was just, well, you just take the right supplements and you just take the right food and you should be able to fix it. And I didn't incorporate a lot of the emotional healing until I really got into my own healing journey. And that's what we do with our clients too. We help them with the emotional components as well as the the logical left brain thought process too. So I imagine that is what you mean by nutrition, science, and soul, because it's a more holistic approach to somebody's entire health journey. Now, I was just listening to a podcast earlier today. It's Dr. Mark Hyman's podcast, the pharmacy, F-A-R-M, right? Yeah. I have his book literally sitting right here. (laughs) Yep. And I've known him for years, so I have watched his career progress and him awaken more as time goes on to integrative approaches to medicine and to really a more holistic approach. And one of the things that he shares is that they go really deep into people's histories, starting with how was your childbirth and meaning when you were born into the world? And was it a cesarean section? And did your mother breastfeed? And for how long? And at what point did dairy get introduced if it got introduced? And what sorts of progressions did you have? Did you have acne in your teens? And really just going through the whole thing, getting your entire health history, and then using that as a tool to then say, where is your gut health today? 
where could it have been messed up in the past and how might we figure out the best path forward for you? And then by looking at all of these things, they're able to really help people on a new path forward, having treated hundreds of people, much like you have treated hundreds of people for autoimmune disorders. And so I'm curious to know if there was that first step, that first real aha that came to you as you were in that nutrition coursework. What was it? So it's a lot of what you were just saying. It was the idea that what I thought was healthy, healthy, understanding more about organics, understanding more about gut health, understanding how your gut is 80 to 90% of everything that's going on in your system. So taking that to a deeper level, I also tried, I'm pretty sure every diet that was available. So I've been vegan, I've been raw, I've done water fast. In fact, I'm about to do a three-day water fast with our clients. I've done the detoxes, I've done those pieces. And, And for the most part, what was really helpful to me after going through a lot of that and understanding how I grew up and what I thought was normal eating and what I understood now not to be that healthy. What's really helpful to me now is to find the right path for each individual person. But for the most part, there's no magic pill. There's no magic diet. There's no one size that fits all. So understanding that you're still an individual, which is why we also ask a lot of those same questions. What was your what was it like to was it a rough childbirth for your mother? Were you breastfed? I mean, when I was born in the mid-70s, it wasn't popular to breastfeed your kids because only the poor ladies did that. And they used to tell the mothers those things. And you were getting a better product if you were drinking formula because science created that. And understanding the difference between when science can really support and when it's working against the natural rhythm of the system. And so my mother started on Nestle. This would be a completely different <laughs> like, podcast. We're totally, we're totally in the same place. <laughs> but even that idea that the mother thought she was hurting her child if she was not buying the expensive formula. So I mean, even that emotion that the mother has going into that and that idea, that all plays into a lot of what our health looked like as children and how it carried through our adulthood. So it's the understanding that we're all individuals, but there's so many pieces that play in and understanding those pieces is incredibly helpful to understanding even what's going on for you 40 or 50 years later. Now, one of the topics you introduced just by proxy of this conversation thus far is fad diets. And so one of the diets that I have become aware of recently is the carnivore diet, which is being purported as a diet that will help get your autoimmune conditions under control. And so I'd love for you to share your perspective about how that diet works, whether or not you would ever recommend it for even a short term, what your thoughts are overall. A lot of people have their own ideas on the way things work. And a lot of times there's things that will work in short term that will actually work against you in the long term. So we're big fans of the long term game rather than the short term moment. You might feel better for a moment, but if it's actually going to do larger damage to you later, we would rather see us spread it out. So we're bigger fans of the tortoise versus the hare in most cases. So even when it comes to like the carnivore diet or a keto or paleo, there are certain things that can work in your favor and against you. There's also ways to bastardize those ideas or the results people are getting because yes, that might fit the rules, but it isn't necessarily the best way to do something. So we find a lot of people, especially with keto, that's kind of the more popular one that you see to lose weight. Most people aren't doing it. Even if they are getting some of the weight loss results, they're not eating the fats the right way or the good fats, things like that. So it's understanding what the diet's purpose was, why people might be getting results on it. A lot of times we find most of the popular diets that are out there, a lot of times people get short-term results because they stop eating nonsense. Like they stop eating all the processed foods 
So even on like the carnivore diet, you're not going to eat anything out of a box or a bag. Vegan, you can eat stuff out of a box or bag really quickly. So you start looking at it and saying, why are they getting results? Is it what they're eating or what they're not eating? And I think a lot of times it's almost what they're not eating, why they're seeing some quick results in the beginning. And then long-term, it's actually doing some other damage because we need green stuff in our diet. We need vegetables in our diet. We need certain things in our diet that some of these diets will pull out. And I don't see that as long-term success, or we haven't seen anybody with long-term success with a lot of those. I'm in, in your camp here. I think nutrition should be something that's balanced. And frankly, if I was to consume a carnivore diet, which would only include meat, raw dairy, and honey, I think that would be quite boring pretty quickly. Yeah. Just the idea of what goes on in the digestive system, it starts to cause some other challenges in the digestion. If you don't have enough fiber in the system, you then are setting yourself up for other ailments later. And then you start having problems moving things. The one fiber they do eat, they eat fruits. They have to be traditional fruits, not tomatoes. They don't do the tomato thing. So they argue they get their fiber that way. But then what happens is people lean too heavily into one side or the other. Like there's a percentage, right? And then we don't see people, they're like all about the meats and we're not seeing enough of that fiber. It's difficult to do that, I think, properly. But if you're doing it properly and it's working for you right now, then you do you. You do you. So let's dig in a little bit to this whole topic around inflammation, because so many of our health disruptions come when we get inflammation that is out of control. And you had in your liner notes, so to speak, a simple statement, the truth behind nutrition and inflammation. What is the truth about nutrition and inflammation? Yes. So the truth is everything can cause inflammation or lower it emotionally, mentally, and physically. So even if you look at it from a nutrition standpoint, it's just your food. How do you feel about the food that you're eating? That if you're angry or you're upset or you're eating against what it is that you want to be eating, you could be angry the whole time. You're not going to get the nutrition the same way, right? So emotionally, mentally, and physically, we want to look at our nutrition, how we look at the world and how we're accepting that everything can cause inflammation or take away from it, whether it's a thought, a belief, or food. So the idea that inflammation is basically the root cause of all of the things, you want to ask yourself, what else is increasing my inflammation or helping to decrease it from everything in my environment, emotionally, internally, or externally? Interesting. Now, I know that people would argue that things like omega-3s don't really cause inflammation. So what would you say to that? Well, I would say that anything can. Like, So if it's the wrong omega-3s, if it's omega-3s that aren't prepared properly, if they aren't being shipped properly, if they aren't being contained properly, they can be causing it. So we have to look at everything and say, we want a better understanding of all of the things. So omega-3s can be amazing, but whether they're not made or they're not pulled from the right resources, if they're not ethically done. I mean, even just that idea, are we ethically sourcing them? That can cause an inflammatory response because of how we're actually doing it, because that resonates with our health, believe it or not. Well, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, you bring up essentially the question of quality as well, because you can manufacture an omega-3 that is in a rancid form and your body will work to reject it any way that it can. You can produce an omega-3 that isn't ethically produced and that is the exact opposite. I mean, you could essentially be selling shark fin omega-3. That's a reality. That's a lot of trauma to the animal, of course, and then also just psychically to one who's consuming it. Exactly, 100%. So you can look at everything and just understand that everything has an influence on us. 
in some way, shape or form. But two people could be doing the same thing. One's getting good results and one's getting bad. A lot of it has to do also with how they feel about the process they're going through. So we really want to see where are our foods, where are our supplements, where is our information being sourced. And that has a lot to do with whether you're getting the results with your particular approach or not. Wow. Very insightful. Thank you. Now, why is it important for people if they have an autoimmune issue like Hashimoto's or a celiac or heck, it could even be vitiligo? Why is it so important that they clean up their diet? Uh, well, I mean, if they choose to continue and reinforce the autoimmune attack, by all means, keep doing what you're doing. But if they don't clean up the diet, you're actually sending a message to the system. So so autoimmune for those people who really don't understand the basics of it. The basics are basically your body is attacking self. Your body, that's the immune system designed to protect you and help you heal. That's the secondary part of an immune system is definitely heal. If it's so confused that it's attacking parts of you thinking you are the enemy, that's a huge problem because what happens is it'll start somewhere, which is why you see a lot of people have one autoimmune, they often have two or three more, or they have a couple more that are kind of on the way. You get like uh, celiac disease, which was my original one. What it'll do if you don't take care of it in time, the immune system's already ripe to attack you. If you don't start taking care of it, it's going to start its attack on another part of your body and another part of your body and another part of your body. So the real problem isn't the thyroid or the lining of the gut in that case. Problem is the immune system so confused, it thinks you are the enemy. So it, not only is it not protecting you, it's actually the reason, the cause. So that's an incredibly important part. One of the major things that will cause that attack, whether it's celiac disease or any of the other autoimmune conditions, is the gliden in gluten. So there's toxic glutens, which have gliden in them, and there's the non-toxic glutens. So wheat, barley, rye, and we argue that oats will fall into that category too. So the glutens, the toxic glutens, and we don't see anybody doing better when they have dairy in their diet, when they have autoimmune disease, because it just starts, it causes a similar reaction to the gluten. I was just very curious from a personal perspective because I was diagnosed, as I said, with Hashimoto's back in 2009, and it first came as self-diagnosis. I was coming off of a three-day juice fast and noticed when I started to reintroduce food that I was having a little trouble swallowing, and I knew that to be symptomatic of a thyroid concern. So I went and got checked. My levels were out of whack. The doctor at the time told me if I didn't take the drug, I could end up in a coma or something to that effect. I did not do well on levothyroxine, which is the standard prescription that a doctor will give somebody who's been diagnosed with Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. And so went to some other natural products for some time with some success, but not complete. And so I have been on a natural thyroid, which is taken from an animal for the entirety of that time virtually and have not had any of the other symptoms that I commonly hear about with thyroid disorders. So I've been consistently curious about whether or not I'd be able to step away from this, because aside from perhaps a slightly slower metabolism or having a temperature that's a little bit lower on the regular, I really haven't had low energy or lack of mental clarity or digestive issues. I did notice with time that I don't do as well with dairy. So I've eliminated that from my diet, but that was something I grew up with and I didn't think anything of it really until my son, who's four, he was having issues with milk. And so instead of 
prodding him and having him go through blood tests, I'm like, well, you know, I've always noticed I get a little snotty when I have milk. So I'm going to test my blood and see what happens. They test my blood. They say mild dairy sensitivity. Gluten, not, just didn't come up on any of that, even though I have one of the markers genetically, if I'm to believe 23andMe for celiac disease. And so I have also essentially eliminated any wheat from my diet, unless it happens to migrate into my food when I'm dining out or whatever, because I don't have celiac disease. I haven't been super militant about only dining out at gluten-free restaurants and things along those lines. So at least with the removal of the dairy, I have noticed that I don't get phlegm the same way and that my stool is more consistent and not necessarily a great thing to talk about poop, but everyone does it. We talk about it all the time here. So (laughs) a reality of your digestion. And so I just feel like I'm generally just a little bit healthier by eliminating the milk. But I'm curious what steps somebody like me might take to reduce or eliminate medication. Yep. So again, this is not medical advice. Most of our clients, if not all of our clients, come off of their medications, especially the thyroid medications. My mother, actually, we reversed her autoimmune issues with with Hashimoto. She was on medication for 10 years. She's off it now with no problems. Her doctor is baffled and actually contacted me because she wanted to understand better why it worked. She still thinks my mom's a miracle. And I'm like, she's not. That's actually how the body works, right? So I got my mother off of gluten and dairy right away. She did much better digestively. What's really interesting about, well, Hashimoto specifically, so it's the attack on the thyroid, is that the tissue of the thyroid looks the same to the immune system as the gliden in the gluten, in the toxic gluten. So what happens is when we have it in our system, even a tiny bit, so if you've ever seen anything by Dr. Tom O'Brien, he's done a ton of research. He was the celiac guy, then he became the autoimmune guy, then he became the brain guy. Like He really gets deep. He's got some serious peer-reviewed studied information specifically on gluten. So he's really the one to look at for these types of studies. But he has shown that even an eighth, tiny little eighth, like a fingernail size amount of gluten getting into your system can cause a whole an entire immune system attack that can last up to six months. So when we think we only have a little bit in our system, what happens is the immune system sees the gluten coming in the glidem. It starts the attack to try to protect you. And as it's continuing to look around to see, is there any more, it starts seeing the thyroid tissue and says, hey, that looks exactly the same to me as as glide and let's take that out too. So you're actually activating an immune system response and it's specifically looking at thyroid tissue to look the same. So especially with people with thyroid issues, it's the number one most commonly diagnosed autoimmune condition. It was the first one that was ever discovered. And you're seeing people with issues over and over and over, especially women. It still does hit men, but women much more often. So that's why it's really, even if you don't feel it, and that's why people, I think, get confused. They're like, well, I don't have a reaction when I eat it, so I'm fine. I'm like, but it's an underlying inflammatory reaction that is actually begins the attack and it can last up to six months, causing that inflammatory response. So we're very tight with our clients. We have to find the right diet for you. But what we can tell you with certainty is that gluten is not your friend, even in a little tiny bit. And then dairy can also cause a similar attack because the immune system can often confuse dairy actually with gluten, which is another interesting component when you look at the body from the scientific angle. Well, it just brings me back to how we evolved ultimately in the beginning. This was my entire scholastic pursuits before entering the workforce after college. 
I studied anthropology and evolution. And the things you learn is that we didn't really eat grain and we didn't really consume milk. And these are not things that our bodies were necessarily really evolved to consider staples in our diets. And so it makes logical sense that a lot of health issues could erupt from these sorts of dietary choices. Now, you reminded me of another person's work, and that's Dr. David Perlmutter. He wrote a book called The Grain Drain about the grain to brain connection. Yeah, grain brain. Yep. I have that one right here too. (laughs) And then also another recently called Drop Acid about the levels of uric acid in your system and how it can actually create inflammatory cascades, retention of water, actually cause you to produce more fat cells because you are essentially trying to save water for that rainy day, like a camel would in its hump. So I think those are two books that people should consider reading if this is something that they're concerned with. I personally worked with Dr. Perlmutter in my early career at Nordic Naturals. So I think he's got his brain in the right place. I mean, he's a neurologist, neuroscientist. (laughs) He understands how the brain works. All right. So let's talk for a moment about adrenal dysfunction, because that is something that so affects people today. Even when you're just living in a stressed, overloaded environment, you get adrenal fatigue. And I think often this can then lead to a cascade of health problems, including autoimmune or sometimes misdiagnosis as having an autoimmune issue because you just get so depleted. Let's talk about that. How do we deal with adrenal dysfunction or adrenal collapse? Yep. So actually, this is one of those moments when I was in school for nutrition, I really sat there and went, how could it be like, I wish I had known this before, like light bulb moments. So this is why we teach on this, we teach our clients, we teach all these people. So here's the most important thing about adrenal function. What a lot of people don't realize is that half of our hormone production, premenopausal, so we're going to talk about men and women at the same time period, right? So 30s, right around 40s, we all start going through this shift in our hormone production. Now, premenopausal, half the hormone production is adrenal is the adrenal glands. The other half is going to be your sex organs, so your testes, the ovaries. As we get closer to menopause, what happens is the sex organs start slowing down their production of the sex hormones, and the adrenals have to pick up the slack. So if they were doing 50% before and they were exhausted, now they're getting handed the other 50%. This is why you see a lot of people right around 38, 40, 45, hitting brick walls of fatigue and hormone issues and joint pain and weight gain. It's not because of menopause. It's because their adrenals are not healthy enough to handle the additional workload of producing hormones. And people say, oh, well, my doctor just said this happens to everyone when they go into menopause and I just have to have replacement hormones. I'm like, no, if it was an everyone situation, then every single man and woman going through that similar process would have to have replacement hormones. And why would nature have done that to Why do some people sail through it and others people have problems? If we go back to looking at adrenal function and how the body handles inflammation and stress. So whether it's emotional, physical, mental, the body doesn't care where your stress is coming. So if you're eating foods that aren't working for you, that's inflammation and stress. If you're thinking things like I'm not worthy or I'm not lovable, that's inflammation and stress. If you are emotionally handling some sort of underlying trauma that you never know, that's inflammation and stress. The body doesn't care where it's coming from. It just says, hey, I'm, I'm overloaded. Oh, and now you're telling me I have to do this additional amount of work to produce all these other hormones? Great. So that's why you see these brick walls happening to people in their mid-30s, 40s. So if we understood more about adrenal function and how the body processes its perception of stress and danger, 
we would be much better off and you wouldn't see people having to go through and suffer through change of the body, right? So this is why, but other people just go, oh, well, this is the way it is. And then they jump on the bandwagon of now I have to do all the replacement hormones. So back to when you were saying, hey, I'm taking these hormones for my thyroid or I'm taking hormones as replacement hormones for my sex hormones, what ends up happening? So we're going to talk about short-term versus long-term now. What ends up happening in the short-term, it might work for you. And you might feel better or not feel the symptoms that your body's trying to give you because you're kind of temporarily holding back the symptoms because you're giving it the hormone that it's struggling to produce on its own or struggling to convert properly. If you give it the hormone, what the message is is the body is, oh, you don't have to bother actually producing this hormone or converting other hormones properly into the hormones you need and finding your balance because we'll do it for you. So the message is, oh, I don't need to do the work anymore. So your body actually slows down its production and its conversions. Then over time, you have to up what it is you're taking or it stops being effective. So that's why you see people struggling over time, once, especially if they get closer to menopausal age, to have the right balance of the replacement hormone, whether it's thyroid hormone or whether it's sex hormones. So this is where it starts to get super interesting on the, are we on the short-term gain? Are we looking on the long-term gain here? And if you're taking something, you can wean from it effectively. And of course, we always recommend you go back to the prescribing doctor in order to do that, but we can show you how our clients have done it in the past, you don't just stop a hormone because that'll mess you up as well. You learn how to support the adrenals, support the body, get into a place where it feels safe and not in danger, emotionally, mentally, or physically. And then you help it to wean and you help to support it in the process. So it's not just dropping it out. So that's kind of three answers, I think, circling back on some other stuff from before. Well, I want to connect to something else as it relates to this discussion around adrenal function. Because I think it's also very interesting that your point of diagnosis, you were traveling the world a lot. You were on the stage a lot. You were going all over the place. This is one of those ways in which we exhaust our adrenals. And I think too many people think, oh, well, I'm just out here. I'm a go-getter. I'm going to put in those 70-hour weeks each week. I'm traveling the world. I'm making a name for myself. I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And none of it feels optional. And you just push, push, push. And because you just push, 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 you actually burn your adrenals out. And that is the moment at which so many people end up with health problem that might have been avoidable in the first place if they were actually not pushing themselves to the absolute limits. And I'm looking at myself when I say this too, because I think that had something to do with my diagnosis in 2009, having spent the prior seven years building the company that would become Nordic Naturals and jet setting all over the globe and working so hard and so many hours. And then, you know, I'm going to throw a juice fast on top of this and try to take care of myself in another way when I was struggling, to be frank. I was overworked. I was not taking care of myself. And I was out of balance for that reason. And so I'm really curious to see how I might respond to something like your system. So perhaps we can connect on that after this session. Most of our clients are women. Most of them are go-getters. Most of them are the ones that know how to white knuckle through. We have a lot of professional former athletes. We have a lot of people who are high performers and they know how to white knuckle through. So what they've learned is how to push past the message the body gave them that they were in trouble. And then they would do something like, oh, I'll do a juice fast. I'll do a three-day rapid detox. I'll go to this place for the weekend and I'll get through this. And you can't correct decades of challenge in three days. And I think that's also more of a, especially an American concept of work hard, play hard, detox hard. And I'm like, no, it's not that. And we are really good, I think, as a society of 
supporting the idea it's supposed to be a struggle. I think that life is going to hand you a challenge. I don't think you should ever be suffering. And there's a giant difference. And when people recognize that, they understand they've been white knuckling through for so long, or they're saying, oh, I'll put the kids first. I'll put my husband first. I'll put my employees first. I'll put everybody else first. And when and if there's time, then I'll do something for me. Or they think like vegging out to Netflix is giving myself time. I'm like, no, are you even connecting with yourself? And that's what the body's screaming for with all these symptoms. Right. Well, it all speaks to me. I mean, if I'm being perfectly frank, 2008 to 2009 was also my marathoning seasons where I was, you know, training really hard. And that juice fast was part of me saying, okay, well, I'm going to do a cleanse now as I prepare to go into my fall training season because I was getting ready to train for yet another marathon. And of course, doing something like even a three-day juice fast when you're doing those kind of distance runs, it's not super feasible, right? And so as somebody who has cared about my health my whole life, I have white knuckled it through. I think that's the appropriate terminology. It resonates. It feels right. Yes, I've white knuckled it through several moments in my life. And when you do that, you can push yourself into collapse. So to avoid those sorts of things, because I think that's all of our goals, to avoid those sorts of collapses, to avoid those sorts of challenges, what sorts of nutrition tips would you give those that are listening who might not be experiencing one of these diseases yet and who wants to avoid them? First thing is check. Just because you don't have a diagnosed disease doesn't mean something isn't brewing. Most autoimmune diseases, it's three to 10 years before a diagnosis is actually found. So you've been suffering actually in that space for up to three to 10 years. There's also 200 known autoimmune diseases at this point with only 20 actual tests, like direct tests. Yes, you have this. So a lot of doctors are really reluctant to diagnose or to give that kind of understanding. So a lot of people who have an autoimmune issue, they're not being diagnosed or they're not being called autoimmune because the doctor wouldn't do anything differently. Like a lot of Hashimoto's is being known as just hypothyroidism or just thyroid dysfunction. They're not going the extra mile because they wouldn't do anything different. So that's kind of the first part of that. But general rules as far as just health when it comes to nutrition, regardless, if you're experiencing any type of hormone imbalance, digestive distress, fatigue, skin breakouts, you want to look at your food. And the first thing is to ask is, where are the toxins? So if you're not eating organic, there's toxins going on in your food. So you really want to start looking at, I know it costs more money, but in the long run, it's going to cost you less in your health care. But the organics is a better choice. How many colors, frankly, are in your food each day? If you're only leaning into one or a couple of colors, there's fewer nutrients in your food. And what's really fun, if you want to just take it this way, if you look at the color wheel, the colors that are opposite, so like orange and purple are opposite, there's actual nutrients in one that help you absorb the nutrients in the other. So it's the combination of colors also can be incredibly awesome. So if you're missing a chunk of colors, you're missing a chunk of nutrients. Gluten and dairy, I would highly recommend getting them out and being really hyper serious about getting them out of your diet. And then start looking around to how many things are coming out of a box or a bag. If it's coming out of a box or a bag, it's probably been processed most of the time. So you might want to back off on that. But for the most part, if, I'm not suggesting you do this, but if you could eat it raw, your body's probably going to accept it really well. Like beans, a lot of people don't struggle around beans because you have to cook them in order to eat them. I'm not saying avoid them. I'm just saying the body does better when it was something that you don't have to cook in order to eat. Like rice, you have to cook it in order to eat it. So it's just one of those general rules. Most of your plate should have plants on it. And if you do choose to eat meat, which I do, I find I do better when I have meat in my diet, it's a smaller portion of what's on my plate. The majority of my plate is filled with lots of plants. 
So there's kind of just some general rules on nutrition. You shared with me offline that your husband is a vegan bodybuilder. He's also a partner in your business. So you are essentially, you're eating one diet and he's eating something that's slightly different and doing so successfully able to thrive and actually put on a lot of muscle mass and compete as I understand it. Yeah, he used to compete. That was actually in our marriage vows and he would never do another competition again because he's very grouchy when he does those. So he literally (laughs) spoke that in front of all of our family and friends that he would never do another one as long as we were together. (laughs) There's something to the lean and mean as my dear friend, Todd Scarborough, who is a master's champion, has shared with me many a times. And a lot of that has to do with how little fat they consume when they're just heading into competition. They're looking to get as lean and mean variegated as possible so that really the muscle pops and shows. Honestly, dehydrated usually too? Actually, yes. I mean, there's a whole purpose. I mean, if you look at the bodybuilding culture, it's not what you're putting into your system. It's more of what it will make you look like. So there's a lot of support for fake sugars. And so when he and I met many, many eons ago, he was in more of that thought process. So he also chose to leave his job, go back to nutrition school. And then he's done additional education on science and lab interpretation. And we have all the ability to do all of that too. So he gets deep into the science side of it much deeper than I do. And he found that eating plants for him worked beautifully well. And he went, I think about eight or nine years ago, he shifted over and it does a good job for him. But we're both big believers in if it doesn't work for you anymore, then you shift. So we're big fans of you aren't a thing, like you aren't a vegan or you aren't a paleo eater. You're somebody who pays attention to your system and you know how to shift should you need to. So I know if he wasn't feeling as good as he does, he would incorporate animal proteins back into his diet if he felt that was the right answer. So it's less of a religion (laughs) and more of a philosophy on eating, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, there's a definite circuit that I would call a little bit religious, the the vegan keto athlete thing. It's like next level. (laughs) Yeah, yes. And then there's people who get very angry if you're not eating perfectly and people get upset about honey and people get upset about coconuts now because monkeys have to be trained to go get the coconuts and they get the coconuts down. So they feel that's against the end. So there's a level to it that we were like, yes, we support animal rights and all of the things, but there was a level to the, but we need to find the right health for us personally first. So it was less of a, so if you ask him, he'll tell you he's plant-based. He uses that term more often than vegan, but vegan helps people understand what he's talking about. Yeah, for sure. Now, what supplements are your go-tos? Because I imagine there are a few that you stand by with time. For most people, especially people who are older, vitamin B complex, a really good vitamin B complex is often something that they need, especially if they're more stressed out because they're going to be losing a lot of the vitamin Bs. D, making sure your D levels are appropriately in the optimal levels, where if you look at the average traditional doctor, they'll say normal levels, normal is about 30 When we look at optimal levels, that's about 80, especially when you're dealing with viruses and things going on in the world. 80 is like the anti-aging level. That's like when your levels are 80, you're good. I'm Mediterranean descent. And so even though I'm blonde haired and blue eyed or maybe a little bit grayer as time goes on, I don't produce vitamin D very well for my skin. And it's just a reality, like even though I'm not super dark. And so even though I spend time outdoors and even though I don't wear a ton of sunscreen, I usually just will use the hat method or whatever because I don't like putting all those chemicals on my body. But ultimately, I just don't make enough that way. So I do things like take my mushrooms and leave them out in the sun for a half hour before I eat them to get higher levels of natural vitamin D. And I take 5,000 IU a day, which sounds like a lot to certain people. But for me, that's what I need. 
I will mention also though, that that was the reason we actually put B vitamins and vitamin D3 in our immunity spray, because both things get depleted when you are dealing with immune system challenges. And so I completely agree getting a good level of your water-soluble B vitamins as well as a good vitamin D source are critical to ongoing support. There's enough reports now coming out of traditional medicine at this point that's showing such a dramatic correlation between people who really struggled with COVID or actually even died. Their D levels, that was across the board, D levels were very low. So when you're looking at anything like that, you really want to start saying, hey, this is an immune system support. We want to know what we're doing. But you can take too much. So it's always, you know, what were your levels to begin with? And are you absorbing it? That's the other important. You could take 10,000, 100,000 IUs every day and not be absorbing. So that's the other thing. We're big fans of checking that one periodically. It's every year or so. Yeah. And you can do that annually. Typically, that's part of your health checkup. Sometimes you have to ask for it. And this is where advocating for yourself, I think, is important. My doctor, she's just very, I think she's on top of it. So it's an automatic thing that happens each year for me. But I've had prior doctors where I really had to ask for it. I had to advocate for it. And so I think that's critically important. What about omega-3s? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, huge fan on omega-3s, but we've talked before, even with the beginning of this, you have to understand where they're you know, sourced from, right? You know, Is it algae? Is it fish? Where was it sourced from? How are they sourcing and how are they actually pulling it out of the source? And is it then becoming an issue? And are the oils then going rancid? Obviously, we've seen your product that it's great because of how you're sourcing it. And I know you're so on top of even the fact that the bottle is that dark. Yeah, I know. It's like one of the things, it's a clear mist. So many of them are just white and people leave them on their counter and they absorb a lot of light. And I have questions about the long-term stability of those products. But And making sure that the companies are shipping it properly. Like a lot of people don't understand there's certain products that really need to be refrigerated. And if they're not being shipped, and I live in Arizona, so we're constantly watching how are things being shipped here? Did it sit in a box truck for two days at 108 degrees? So these are things that I don't think people appreciate. We're not big fans of a lot of supplements, but the few that we do recommend, it's going to be, we're going to be really on top of how they're being sourced and things just like the glass bottles and things like that. Of course. Now, I know some people still struggle to get four to six servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Tell me what that looks like for you. Are you consuming six servings of vegetables? Are you supplementing with the greens? Like, how are you getting there? Yeah. I don't supplement for any of that. I actually just eat it. My husband also doesn't. And you should see the amount of <laughs> the amount of plants that go into this guy because he's 185 <laughs> pounds, but he's solid, right? He's like five or 6% body fat, but he's solid muscle. If he can do it, anybody can do it. Like that's the thing. Like is somebody that size trying to get that kind of nutrients in. So if somebody says I can't get four you know, servings in, I'm like, come on people, let's try a little, little bit harder, but it shouldn't be that hard. I only eat twice a day, sometimes only once. I do more intermittent fasting. So when I'm getting something in, it's definitely coming in in just one or two meals. But I eat you know, a regular size plate and the majority of my plate is going to be filled with fruits and vegetables. And a lot of people are afraid of fruits because they've heard, oh, well, the sugars in fruits, it's a different kind of sugar. It's processed through your body differently. So we're huge fans of keep eating the fruit. You're all good. Juicing sometimes can get a little out of hand just because you don't get the fiber in there. So the body doesn't slow down the absorption. I'm a big fan of juices, but for people to think that's the only way to get them, the fiber is incredibly important. And the fact, it's a whole food is important. But I eat a lot of salads, especially now, because again, it's 110 degrees for us here in Arizona. So I eat a ton of salads, but I really enjoy them. 
what we don't want is people eating something and hating on it the whole time. Like if they're just, err. so I'd rather see if it's cooked vegetables that make you happy. That's great. But again, look around the color wheel and make sure that the vegetables you have are also many colors. So get the purples in there, get the oranges in there, make sure you're getting all the fun colors too. Now there can be even some fun ones. Like there are purple carrots now and I've been doing a deep dive into Dr. William Lee's Eat to Beat Disease, as well as taking his course and doing a weekly supplementary additional episode around the content of it. And one of the things that he hits in almost every week are purple potatoes, which I don't really eat potatoes anymore, but he started talking about them specifically for their anti-cancer properties and also for the fact that they really seem to inspire gut health in a different way act as both a prebiotic and more in that space. And then also foods like kiwi, which he counsels us to consume one a day of. If we like kiwi, that's a win because it can really be helpful for many of the five health defenses that he identifies. Super dark chocolate. I mean, there's things you can enjoy. Absolutely. And people don't appreciate, I think they just think, oh, it's going to be boring and it's a lot of broccoli. And, And yes, it's a lot of broccoli. But it's the understanding of, again, the colors. And depending on where you're located in the country, there are certain foods that are available more often than you realize. So leaning into whatever's available. So farmer's markets, just checking them out to see what's available right now. Also, you'll get a higher nutrient intensity in the food because it's available on purpose at that point, right? So nature wanted it to be available, whatever that fruit or vegetable is. So lean into what's available to you during that season is also incredibly awesome. I'm a big fan. We love the multi-carrots. It's the yellow and orange and the purples. They all come. They're so fun. And then it makes everything look more fun. And honestly, your brain will get nutrition by looking at the plate first, seeing all the colors. It gets excited. That's part of the original, the beginning stages of the digestion. It's just seeing the colors. Yeah. Food preparation even. I mean, really preparing your own food. This is one of the reasons I do like some of the meal kit deliveries, not because I think they're a good solution, but because I think it gets people back to cooking. And one of the things that I always share with people is it's really easy to grow an herb garden and it can really spruce up your regimen and like the types of foods that you even cook. I've got oregano, basil, strawberries. What else do I grow? Lemons, apple, plums. Like, so I do have some fruit trees, right? And then I glean from my neighborhood blackberries when they're in season because they grow wild here. And also things like sometimes I'll even find a wild strawberry. So that can be a real treat too. Yeah. And if you have the opportunity to do some of that, that it's amazing. Again, we have a much longer growing season here, but just having fresh rosemary outside and just putting that in when you're making something, it can be a huge difference in the flavor profile of what you're eating. It takes almost no effort. I mean, you could even just trim some from your neighbor's yard and start it from that because they're incredibly easy to start. Like there's certain herbs that are very easy that way and rosemary is one of them. So yes, encourage all of that. Wow, well, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. I've so enjoyed our conversation today and I would like to invite you back specifically to talk more about this emotional side of our health and how it can impact our ability to do things like absorb nutrients and remain our healthiest. I think there's a lot to unpack there. Yes, we could be doing this for weeks and still not unpack all of it. But yes, I agree. That would be a fun topic to get into. Great. Thank you so much. Now, I will be sure, of course, to include links to connect with you and your social profiles with show notes. Is there any particular way that you enjoy people reaching out or that you would encourage them to reach out to you? 
Yeah, our website's going to be your best bet. We've got a ton of free resources on there. We have webinars, three-day challenges, information in PDF. So it's nourish123.com. And if anybody's like, hey, I just want to bypass all of that, they can just pop onto actually it will be Anthony's calendar to have a chat with us to say, hey, is this the right fit for me or not? Because we're very clear about if this isn't the right fit. So you can go to nourish123.com slash heal, H-E-A-L, if you just want to go right to the calendar. Right. Fantastic. Well, I'll include those direct links with show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kirsten. Thank you for having me. Now, as stated at the beginning of today's episode, this is not meant to treat, diagnose, or cure any ailments that you may have. It's important that you seek treatment when you need it and be an advocate for advocate for your health. I really do encourage people to ensure they're getting their vitamin D levels checked at least annually. You can even take an omega-3 blood spot test. They're available at omegaquant.com. I will go ahead and include links to this, as well as all of the resources that we mentioned during today's episode, including Dr. Perlmutter's important books and also the work of Dr. William Lee. Now, I will counsel you guys all, if you are curious at all about Eat to Beat Disease, go to those earlier episodes. There is one released each week, in addition to Dr. William Lee's guest appearance on our show, which was episode three. He practically helped us launch this entire work with nutrition without compromise. Now, visit orlonutrition.com for our complete blog about this episode, including features you won't find anywhere else and even a few healthy food replacements or recipes for myself and other contributors to this show. You'll learn there about our immunity products, which contain B vitamins and vitamin D3 with spirulina, and also our leading algae-based omega-3s, the world's first carbon-negative omega-3s in the space. Thank you now and always for being a part of this community. If you have questions for myself or for Kirsten, You can always reach out to me directly via orlonutrition.com or just email us directly to hello at orlonutrition.com. As we close today's show, I hope you'll raise a cup with me as I say my parting words. Here's to your health. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Without Compromise. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more, visit orlonutrition.com and join our mailing list. You'll gain access to complete show notes, features, and informative blogs because nutrition shouldn't be an either or.